This week's episode is brought to you by Vacation 24 Radio. Playing all your vacation hits from favorite uh, theme parks, including tunes from Disney, Universal, SeaWorld, and much more. Tune in today at v24radio.com. And us, we're on it now, again, every Tuesday at noon at Walt Disney World time. Check us out. Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And uh, before we actually get into the episode today, we wanted to do a couple of uh, little little shout-outs to Communicore cadets out there. Ooh, like not like housekeeping, some shout-outs. Yes, no housekeeping this time around. Only shout-outs, so all fun. <laughs> so I meant to say this a couple weeks ago, but we got so wrapped up in other things. But uh, this is a shout-out for Kevin Rast, who is... Uh, a great Communicore cadet, and he actually made us a really cool Communicore Weekly movie poster. Yes. Um, and with Kevin's permission, I'm going to post it on the website, CommunicoreWeekly.com, so everybody can see it. It's really cool. I like it. And it says we're in 3D, which is obviously the best time to see us. Well, we are in 3D. Well, and all the time we're in 3D, but all the, time, the yeah. movie, Communicore Weekly, the movie the is movie in 3D. The movie itself, yes. I liked who I is uh, playing in the movie, too. Yes. Uh, that, that Jeff Fellow is devastatingly handsome. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, moving along to the next shout out. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of uh, uh, devastatingly handsome, um, this guy wants to knock out someone's devastatingly handsome's uh, a library and make one of his own. And that's <laughs> Drake Ward, who uh, wants to beat George's library one day. One day. How many books do you have now? Uh, we're over 790. 790. Drake, how many do you have? <laughs> he's got a lot I, I bet he can do it he's young I bet he can do it he could be a contender hey, you he could be a contender better get started buddy you know, hurry the obvious up. way would be to knock me out actually it would be to you know charm his way into my family get written into the will and then have me taken out this got really weird really quickly yeah that'd be kind of odd <laughs> when that happened so but that's hey, I say go for it nothing wrong with having a humongous library yeah exactly chicks dig libraries Yes, they do. As as we all know, uh, what else we got? Okay, so maybe there are a little bit of house house cleaning that we have to say as mm. well. Um, as we mentioned in the the ad before the show, we are back on uh, Vacation Twenty Four Radio. You can catch yep. us every Tuesday at noon, Walt Disney World time, to hear the latest episode. Yeah, and uh, as well as other fantastic theme park music as well. Yeah. So when you're yeah when you're sitting at your desk at work and you want to yeah, listen when you you need a hit. Yes, yes, Basically, your, your Disney theme park hit. Go to yep. v24radio.com to check that out. Yep. And, and we, all, we also got to tell them about the contest. Yeah, I mean, we've been getting a lot of hits on the contest. We've got a lot of entries so far. So mm-hmm. um, if you haven't entered yet, you have until, what we say, July 4th? Yes, midnight on July 4th, we're giving away four Blu-ray packs, which the uh, My Neighbor Totoro, Howl's Moving Castle, Disney Nature Oceans, and the Disney Parks Blu-ray set. And all you have to do to enter is go to iTunes and leave us a rating. I mean, leave us a review, a written review. 
then email us at communicorweekly@gmail.com with your username, the date, and the review. Because sometimes it takes a couple days for the reviews to show up on iTunes. Something we've discovered. Or you can send friends over to the Communicore Weekly Facebook page, have them like it, and tell us that you sent them. Exactly. And all that information is over on CommunicoreWeekly.com as well in case you didn't, you know, you're driving right now and you can't do it now. So you could do it later and check it out. But uh, yeah, well, good luck to everyone who entered. And uh, I guess we should get on with the show then. Let's do it. It's time for Disney History. Okay, yes, I know the segment is called It's Time for Disney History. But this week, we wanted to branch out just a little bit and check out some of the other local theme parks. Because and plus, plus it costs way too much money to re-record the bumper. Yeah, exactly. So we don't have that kind of dough. We're too busy uh, paying for the, the newly price-hiked tickets at uh, all the Disney theme parks. <laughs> so, <laughs> Disney isn't the only park that has a theme park rich in history. And as we talked about back in episode 70, there are plenty of other theme parks that existed before Disneyland even came along. So for this segment, we're going to take a look at another iconic Southern California theme park, and that's Knott's Berry Farm, specifically the Timber Mountain Log Ride. Well, it's called the Timber Mountain Log Ride now, but it was originally called the Calico Log Ride. And Bud Hurlbut and his father, Ray Hurlbut, who are big names if you know anything about themed attractions, began working on the basic idea for the attraction almost five years before construction uh, on the ride began. Bud already had a lot of success with the Calico Mine Ride, which focused on the troubles of the gold miners um, at Knott's Berry Farm. Well, not the gold miners at Knott's Berry Farm. But the ride at Knott's Berry but Farm. But the ride, because I don't think there were a lot of miners. Oh, anyways. So, uh, when, well, I'm when sure there were miners because a lot of kids. Go, oh, the true. other miners, the other miners. There were those different types of okay, miners. Okay, got it. Um, so let's see, I don't want to... It opened in 1960. Yes, so they had been they had been working on it about five years before then. Uh, he dug into California history again for the Calico Log Ride and discovered a connection between the lumber industry and the gold rush. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, the gold rush was a big deal back in the day. And after thousands of people flocked to California in search of gold, two really big problems arose. The first was the lack of building materials for the new settlers to use, and there was a lack of enough gold to go around for everybody that was there. <laughs> That's kind of a problem. Now, because the miners had no building materials, they had to improvise a way in order to create them. And so many of them turned to the lumber industry. And because these building materials were in such demand, they actually found a lot more profit in, profit in uh, lumber than they would have from uh, the depleted gold streams. Interesting. Much easier to find trees. Yes, exactly. Much easier. So I'm anyway. looking at a couple right now. <laughs> so usually the very first sawmills built anywhere were built on riverbanks. Uh, lumberjacks would cut the trees along the banks, roll the logs into the water, and then float them to the mill. Makes sense. So when the supply of trees along the riverbanks had been completely cut down, the lumberjacks turned to the trees a little more inland. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't have any equipment to carry the heavy logs back to the streams to float them upriver, so that led to the development of the flume. And looking at this, you can definitely see how this type of thing could naturally translate into a ride. Yeah, ex exactly. However, it wasn't planned as a flume ride at first. 
uh, Bud wanted the ride to be as thrilling and historically accurate as the rides taken by the loggers when moving the trees uh, back to the mill, but not as inherently dangerous because... Probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, very, very good thing. So the original idea was for it to be a roller coaster and make it appear as if the car was floating in a trowel. Um, but Walter Knott, who was the owner of Knott's Berry Farm, he was not interested in that idea at all. So Bud went back to the drawing board, and after talking with his friends Ed Morgan and Carl Bacon uh, from Arrow Development, uh, it was proposed that the ride be a log ride, and as we know it today. So Bud, Ed, and Carl uh, all worked together to create a model of it and presented the idea to Walter Knott again, who turned it down again. Yeah, go figure. Uh, thankfully, this still didn't deter Bud. He took the opportunity to work out the financing for the ride and, and, and work out all the bugs as well. And at the same time, Aero Development fine-tuned the log ride system and sold it to Six Flags Over Texas in 1963. After that version was up and running, Bud brought the idea to Walter Knott for a third time, which hopefully will be the charm. Uh, he explained that, unlike Six Flags Over Texas, he wanted the Knott's version to have a fully-themed environment that told a story. Uh, he designed another model of the attraction and described, in minute detail, every single scene to Walter Knott, from lighting to the sound effects and even the action. Uh, this time, Walter greenlit the attraction. Now, the Calico Log Ride was a costly effort, and it cost over $2.5 million and took nearly a year to construct. Uh, it opened on July 11th, 1969, and screen legend John Wayne and his son, John Ethan, they took the first ride down the flume. Now, the ride is housed in a mountain that's 300 feet long and 75 feet high. The flume itself is 2,100 feet long and 6 feet wide. Um, the fiberglass logs, they each weigh 450 pounds apiece, and they carry four to five passengers, and that enables about 1,800 passengers an hour to board the 36 uh, logs for a thrilling four-minute journey. The free-float system of logs did not employ any mechanical device to regulate the passage, so it was a fluid drive, which is water current. It was controlled by a pair of 125 horsepower pumps circulating 24,000 gallons of water per minute, and that caused the logs to rush through the flume at speeds ranging from 8 to 22 feet a second, and a reservoir of 350,000 gallons of water was required to maintain the entire flow of the flume. That's a lot of numbers and statistics. Uh, that was a ton of numbers. Wow. That was impressive. Anyway. And we know I am not good with math already, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't say that, you know, well, neither one of us anyway. Okay, so, so once you were aboard the ride, uh, passengers were able to see and experience what might have happened to actual loggers at the turn of the century. The mountain is constructed in three levels. Uh, from, from the point of departure, logs are lifted 36 feet by a conveyor belt. Um, but, it, but it used to be chains, actually, uh, to the entrance of the Calico Log and Lumber Company. Passengers then float into the mill to witness the operations, complete with uh, mechanical and hand equipment, animated figures, and true-to-life sound effects. And after being stripped of their bark and sawed in the mills, the logs carrying the passengers soar down a five-foot waterfall, land in the flume, and begin their free-floating journey. Sweeping through the water on their own power, the log passes picturesque uh, scenery and realistic settings while surging around over and through the entire mountain. 
uh, passing a forest of ponderosa pine, wild animals can be seen lurking in the thick underbrush. And floating under a waterfall, the logs slip through a trestle precariously clinging to the side of the cliff overlooking a deep ravine. Now the journey continues passing many more animated scenes before the final plunge, shooting down a 42 foot incline plunging with a big bow wave into the mill pond below. So in January 2013, the ride closed to undergo a massive refurbishment. Over $5 million went into a five-month overhaul to bring the ride up to today's standards. Garner Hole Productions stepped in to help create over 40 human animatronics along with countless animal figures. And the refreshed version of the ride, now called the Timber Mountain Log Ride, keeps the same, same theme as the original, but updated it with a fantastic new animatronics and, and scenes. On May 30th, the ride reopened with a rededication ceremony attended again by John Ethan, the son of John Wayne, to help open the ride just like he did with his father back in 1969. Uh, the ride continues to be the most popular attraction in the park, carrying over 2.7 million guests every year through the Calico Logging Company. He's a nerd, he's a geek, because we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's Book of the Week. So Jeff, uh, you're a big fan of the Artemis Fowl series of books, right? I love those books. Yeah. The um, author, name pronounced actually Own Colfer, but it looks like Ian, hard to say, Own Colfer, has just released a brand new series called Warp. And this is Warp number one, The Reluctant Assassin. And I know we both got preview copies of it, and we both tore through this book like there was no tomorrow. Yeah, this book was awesome because it contained a lot of things that we really enjoy. Go ahead, George. Tell them yes. what it contains that we enjoy. Okay. Time travel. Boom. Instant win. Exactly. What more do it's you like, need to know? It's like, you know, end of the review, although people might want to know a little bit more information oh, about it. So. All right, fine. Um, I, I thought the, the coolest thing about this book was the idea behind it. Uh, it's it's called Warp. This is Warp number one, so it's a new series. And Warp stands for Witness Anonymous Relocation Program. And they cover this pretty early in the book, what Warp is. They, they have time travel, you know, with quantum, foamy, physics, Michael Crichton type stuff. But whenever there's a big major trial and the FBI needs to hide somebody, they send him into the past to well, keep them safe. How has no one thought of this idea before for a book series? Exactly. Or anything. I've never. I'm, maybe somebody has, and I never heard of it. But what well, a great if, idea! If we go back and once we get time travel, we can go back and take the idea from them. We might have it now. We just well, don't let's know wait. About let's it. wait till he writes all the books, and then we'll just go. Yeah, back. yeah. Then we'll see. Then we'll see. We should probably do that with the Harry Potter books and Star Wars franchise. Snape kills Dumbledore. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, anyways, too soon. So, too soon. Okay, sorry. Yeah, well, that's okay. So, so what happens in the book is we meet Riley, a young teen from Victorian London who is being forced to commit his very first murder, and he's very reluctant to do it, hence the name hence The Reluctant the Assassin. Name. It's in the name. Um, he's pulled into 21st century London right at the beginning of the book, and, and he becomes entangled in the FBI's warp program, and he's hunted across the decades by his former master, and honestly, some amazing time travel really ensues. It was great. And um, you know what? It's it's a book series, again, kind of like Artemis Fowl. It's aimed towards uh, kids, like teenagers, mm -hmm. but it's so smartly written that yes. I, like, it, it kind of blew my mind. I thought it was fantastic, and it was very, very, very well done. 
yeah, it's the 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 way he set up the time travel was very much like the first time you watched the Back to the Future movies. You're like, oh, they did this and then this happened. Yeah, they, this he happened. sets a lot of things up that you think are you know minor details and they wind up being a huge deal later on yeah. because of the time travel and it's 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 great. Yeah, like like you said, it's 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 geared towards teens. Uh, I think anybody who really likes something with a lot of suspense in it, very intelligently written with great characters, is going to love the book. Um, what surprised me most is you know when you watch a lot of stuff on television about Victorian London, you really don't think about the fact that you're going to be you smell sulfur everywhere, or it's really dirty, or the water is unclean, and 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 Colfer really does a good job of painting a picture of Victorian London that you know. You may not might want to visit, but you're not going to live there. Yeah, exactly. That's for sure. Um, but I, I thought it was fantastic. I would recommend it. I would highly recommend it as well. And it was yeah. released by uh, uh, Disney Hyperion Publishing. Yes, is that it's who Hyperion. Say? That's why we're talking. That's about why it. we're talking about it. Yes, hey, of course. Because uh, Colfer is a is a Hyperion author, so to speak. So this book is called Warp Number One: The Reluctant Assassin by Own Colfer. What we liked, what we didn't like, he's in the booze! 60 Second Review! So on June 11th, 2013, Disney released a lot of Blu-ray DVD combo packs. And two we're going to talk about today are the Atlantis combo packs and the Emperor's New Groove combo packs. But uh, let's talk about Atlantis first. Um, I was never the biggest fan of the original Atlantis film. Um... However, upon rewatching it on Blu-ray, it wasn't as bad as I remember it being. Um, <laughs> it's a good way to review something. Yeah, yeah and that's bad. probably the best <laughs> review of it I'm going to give you. <laughs> yeah, Atlantis has got uh, it's got a good cult following, I think. Um, sort of like the... Um, we sound very sure of ourselves right now, guys. Very, very sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it, I saw it in the movie theater, and that's the first time I walked out of the movie theater took my oldest son with me who was at the time probably like four or five i think it was the first disney movie we saw together walked out going well sort of entertaining but missing that certain disney magic yeah yeah just a little bit you know what it was better than though what the second atlantis movie (laughs) because that was pretty terrible and the word it was meant as an introduction to a television series that never really got off the the ground i think it's it was actually like three episodes combined into one to make a film um to introduce viewers to the 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 tv show and then it was just it was terrible so it was just it was terrible (laughs) wasn't wasn't yeah yeah i was gonna say it really wasn't even worthwhile even talking about and you know what we what we found with this package is you're basically getting the movies yeah you're really not getting anything other i mean there's a couple of extras but they're repackaged from the dvds and Mm. really the only reason to buy these if you don't own them already is because there's you know they they're blu-ray looking and even the the blu-ray conversion really isn't that great so we're basically telling you not to buy this blu-ray i guess unless you're unless you're a huge fan of atlantis and you want it on blu-ray well yeah i mean if you're a huge fan obviously by all means yeah of course grab it for that i mean you know it it does have a cult following it's got that steampunk feel to it Um, and michael j fox is the voice of milo which is awesome the voice acting was really well done it was what jim varney's last disney film yep and i loved me some jim varney he was really good and 
it, it was sort of along the same period with the um, um, as as Treasure Planet. You know, that's got a big cult following to it. It's got a very steampunk vibe. But again, people say it's missing that Disney heart, which, you know, I kind of agree with. So absolutely. Like we said, you know, skip Maybe. this one. Yeah, skip it. Skip it unless you love it. But we've got another film to talk about. The combo pack with the Emperor's New Groove. And Kronk's New Groove. Kronk's New Groove. <laughs> um, I love Emperor's New Groove. I think it yes. gets a bad rap. Um, yes. I know it was supposed to be something completely different at first. Um, but we wound up with this. And I, I still find it enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I repeat lines from the movie all the time without realizing it. Because it is very quotable and very memorable. Yes. Um, no touchy, no touchy. Yeah. I say that all the time. And and honestly, you know, Kronk was one of the more inventive characters, even though it's the same Patrick Warburton character. The way they played him really added a lot to the film with the uh, the playoff of Isma. Yes, exactly. Itself. Unfortunately, I, thought, I don't think he stands on his own in Kronk's New Groove. No, Kronk's New Groove was basically an extension of a half-hour animated, you know, afternoon cartoon but, show that but stretched, stretched out. Yeah, got stretched out quite a bit, and it's just one of those things you're like, oh, okay, they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this. Eh, no big deal. No and it also doesn't include any extras on this disc, None which is whatsoever. It's a very yeah. bizarre choice, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. So I guess for this one, if you already own The Emperor's New Groove, there's really no reason for you to buy this. But if you don't and you haven't seen it before, definitely pick this up, I think. I think this one's worth watching for The yep. Emperor's New Groove alone. Yeah, I enjoyed that film. And the only other thing we'll say a shout-out to is, you know, they've also released Lilo and Stitch, which we talked about last week. We still, you know, it's still... Buy that one. That's that one you should get. Definitely that get that. Definitely buy that one. But so, yeah. Don't know why Disney's releasing them. We've got so many other great films that could be on Blu-ray with lots of great content. But maybe they're just throwing these out as summertime films. Sometimes you might see it. Sometimes you don't. Hey, look what's that? It's a five-legged goat. <laughs> Who would have guessed it that other theme parks also have five-legged goats? Right, what? guys? I know it's crazy. What? Absolutely crazy. So in the Timber Mountain log ride at Knott's Berry Farm, during the scene when you pass the campsite with the critters messing with the old man camping, you'll find a box that is right next to the campsite. Now the box is addressed to B. Hurlbut. And like we mentioned in the history segment of the show, Bud Hurlbut was the man behind the attraction, designing it from top to bottom and making it the icon it is today. You want to know more about Bud Hurlbut? Well, teaser, we're going to talk about him at some point in the future. In the future! That's time travel. It is time travel. Can we do that? Um, yes, we have the technology. Spoilers. Sorry. We can't tell you how or when yet, but we know. We'll do it, so. Yes, yes. Well, thanks so much for watching, listening, and staying spoiler-free. Exactly. And be sure to leave us a comment and rate us on iTunes, especially if you want to enter in the contest. Exactly. So after you rate us on iTunes, well, review us on iTunes, email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com with your iTunes name, the review, and the date so we can enter you in the contest. Also, be sure to like us on facebook.com slash communicorweekly and refer your friends and then there's another contest entry for them too yeah exactly for the both of you perfect you could probably steal their entry if you wanted to that's true you probably could well anyways follow both of us on twitter i'm at imagine nerding and he's at jeff heimbuck and for jeff heimbuck i'm george taylor and for george taylor i'm jeff heimbuck thanks so much for listening we'll see you next time on communicore weekly the greatest online show
and the